0: Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro.
1: And you're listening to Ukraine Plus Football. It's
2: head East. It's head
3: East. It's head in heading East. It's head 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 East. It's head
2: in East.
3: Hello everyone, welcome to Ukraine Plus Football. Shevra has gone, Yarmuchuk has moved, and medalists continue to break all sorts of records. But we are the home of the number one English language podcast on the Ukrainian beautiful game. I'm your host, Adam from Ukrafoot24. I'm joined as always by my excellent co-host, Mr. Zorya Londonsk, Andrew. Hey Andrew, crazy weekend, mate, absolutely crazy.
2: I was hoping for a calmer one, to be honest. I had a lot of packing to do before coming out to Kiev myself, where I am right now whilst we record this. Bloody hell, uh, we've got a lot to get through tonight, that's all <laughs> I can say. I um, <laughs> wasn't expecting it all to come so quickly, but hey-ho, that's uh, the unpredictable nature of Ukrainian football.
3: This is why we love it, it really is. Now, as so always, guys, the English-speaking voice of Ukrainian football is with us, Ray. Hey, Ray, mate. How great has it been to see all the fans back across the country over the last few weeks? Hello, Adam. Hello, guys.
1: The streets were silent last week without me, but here I am. Uh, I would say that it's fascinating to see all the fans come back to the stadiums. But it, it feels like it's been around since almost half a year or maybe from last season, so it's been a while now. And, uh, you know, every time in the summer when the football starts, uh, we see all those colourful uh, your clothes and spots on in the audience in the stands of the stadium and when winter comes it all goes black so we will be hoping that we'll see the crowds of the supporters in winter and furthermore
3: fingers crossed fingers crossed now today we're joined by famous tv host and lifelong Dynamo Kia fan. He's come today dressed for the part. Gary Martinenko. Now, Gary, thank you for sharing your time with us today. We really appreciate it. Hope you've managed to enjoy a little break between Ukraine's summer of sport and the start of the regular season.
0: Hello, guys. Thank you, Adam, Ray, Andrew. It's such a big pleasure to me to be here i want to thank you for the invitation i'm honored to join your podcast it's really a huge and big job you not only promote and explain ukrainian football you promote ukraine because we live in difficult time but you do really great job thank you for you all guys and andrew for your job during euro 2020 that was really Awesome, and I hope we will have the better season than previous, so let's do it, guys.
3: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Now, we're going to be talking about Dinamo a little later, we go, but the news over the weekend, national team manager Andrei Shevchenko, he's not renewed his contract, it's overshadowed everything. Now, Andrew, I know you've got a lot more on the story for us. What's been going on, mate?
2: So, to start with, on Sunday, Andrei Shevchenko posted on Instagram before anyone else before the UAF or anyone else and said that his contract's up he's had a great time thank the fans thank UAF but time to move on essentially he didn't actually explicitly say that he's leaving the role but it was insinuated then his assistant Andrea Maldera also posted a post on Instagram saying thank you Um, our time has come to an end and everyone was like up in the air a few comments were asked from the UAF, from Miron Markievich, uh Alexander Klawinski was asked by Tribuna and neither of them sort of had a comment to say it took until today, Monday, to the UAF to officially announce that Shevchenko's gone. Uh, they said thank you to him and the reason that they said that he left was because he wanted to pursue club football in his career going forward, despite the fact that there were news or sort of talks that he was going to do an extension of a year extra after the Euros. Other rumours, unconfirmed, unofficial, say that it was actually to do with a dispute of wages. So Shevchenko wanted his backroom staff, which is rather expensive, to have been paid like three million euros. But the source that was stating this said that, that UAF were offering 1.5 million euros, hence the the agreement wasn't made and the most amicable way possible Shevchenko left at the end of his term. What's next? Obviously, a search for a new manager, which is all good. But I think quickly before we move on to that sort of topic, I think that Shrachanko is actually leaving at the right time, in my opinion. After the Euros, it's a high technically. He got to the quarterfinals first time ever. And you could see that things were slightly going a bit stale under him. Maybe some of the performances at the Euros weren't that great if you look at them in hindsight, and also the start to the qualification campaign wasn't too good. And even just Shevchenko's body language in press conferences and stuff like that. I know he's never really ever been that of a personality in football, but he didn't seem that energetic or really fully up for it. And I think maybe a lot of that might be to do with the fact that he would have preferred if the Euros were last year, last summer, played the Euros last summer, and then he could have left straight after and then gone into AC Milan who were having a bit of an issue back then. But who knows? We don't know where he's going next. And now the search for a new manager begins, which will be announced apparently, or decided on the 9th of August. So next Monday.
3: Andrew, as you sort of mentioned there, it's it's been an interesting reign. But do you think he's going to be remembered long term as a successful manager of the national team.
2: Yeah, definitely. He's he's up there alongside Blocker, no doubt about it, for their achievements in bringing Ukraine to a quarter final. No other Ukraine manager has ever done it. Shevchenko is officially the longest reigning Ukraine manager of all time. Difficult to see whether someone might be able to top that of five years on the basis that if you don't qualify for tournaments and stuff like that, it's difficult to to keep the job. So Shevchenko was consistent. He was given a bit of time, of course, spared of criticism a lot by certain people. But, you know, overall, if you're going to... He gave us that 2019, which was probably Ukraine's greatest ever year football if you just look at how they played the atmosphere and everything that was generated around it and he sort of brought a modern touch to Ukrainian football under Fomenko and all these oldie Lobanovsky era type managers who had no who had seriously no charisma okay Shushchenko didn't have the most charisma in but he has charisma with his players and sort of you can tell that he can motivate them and all that sort of stuff so hopefully hopefully whoever UAF have got lined up is going to be someone who can continue the work that he's started, but certainly improvements need to be made from the mistakes that evidently Shkreli made.
3: Uh, Ray, I saw you sort of nodding along there with Andrew, especially with the bit that he's—you know—he's picked Ukraine up after 2016 and and brought the, the national team to a, a higher level. Is—is—is is, is that your sort of general feeling on it? It
1: definitely is. Although we discussed quite a lot uh, in our Euro podcast that uh, he kind of diverted back to Lobanowski's standards. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm happy that he left. It's, it's good for him, good for our football. And we need someone as quality as, uh, as those two mentioned managers like Blokhin and chichenko quite different in their approach. But we, need, we don't have to uh, get someone to work with the youngsters like we did before not not someone like petrakov or mikhail we are not there right now N- right now we need to squeeze everything we got from all the players we have and we have a decent team so
3: right who mm-hmm. going to put you on the spot mate
1: <laughs> i was skeptical about rebrov before i think he hasn't uh, had his last word and spell in club football my prediction from back back before covid days my prediction was markevich and I would stick to that before because uh, why not we have uh, another Luis Aragonés for, our, for ourselves and why not we see if that 100% winning spell continues? <laughs> as we know, as we know that so when Markevich uh, was a coach in 2010 of the Ukrainian national team, he did not lose a single game. Yeah,
3: very well said. Gary, I saw you laughing there. As I mean, Would you like to see Markevich take over? Um, I
0: think Markevich is not Luis Aragonés and he is not Otto Rehagel. He's now enjoying his uh, managing uh, routine office work for UAF. Uh, so I don't want to see any Ukrainian uh, manager except Sergei Rebro, because I think he's the first candidate for me, because he's fresh, with fresh mind, he's professional, and he can give uh, huge help for this Ukrainian national team. If it's not Rebro, it can be international coach, the other manager. But I think uh, about situation with and Shevchenko, uh, two sides are totally wrong because Shevchenko was uh, supposed to work until the end of 2020. I think it would be right uh, to make a complete qualification uh, of uh, World Cup. But also, I understand it not uh, not good situation in Ukrainian station of football because. Uh, they should have uh, treated Shevchenko and his coach and staff with the biggest respect. And I think there's also some uh, moments, some problems with the um, priceless money after the 2020. So this uh, situation for me is sad, but uh, I think it can be better for Ukrainian team, I think race, right? And also for Andrey Shevchenko as uh, club coach. And uh, also I think Andrew, right? Because uh, COVID changed everything, yes? And uh, Shevchenko's contract, uh, some strategy about his career, because maybe he planned after uh, European Championship to go to Milan. So... It changed everything and now we see this situation and it's a big question what we'll see soon. But unfortunately, I think it will be Miron Markevich or even Mikhailichenko.
3: <laughs> uh, uh, Andrew, I'm going to bring you in here. You Obviously, you broke the news earlier today that Sergei Rebrov's uh, trying to make himself available for it. You've also mentioned some of the foreign pl- foreign names that have been linked with the job as well. Who would you like to see get it?
2: Yeah, so just recapping that, uh, Ihor Tuhaneh has said earlier today that he either spoke to Rebrov or some sort of sources close to Rebrov are saying that Lebrov is looking to leave Alain through his lawyers, even though he's the season's not even started yet there. Whether it's actually directly linked with the Zbirna job is not 100%, but time will tell, I guess, over the next few days. The two international managers that are linked, I don't think, are the level that Gary wants. Um, I'm not going to lie. We've got Gianni Biasi, who is <laughs> former Albania coach and currently Azerbaijan manager. Great. And Jürgen Klinsmann, who had an absolute shocking time at Hertha Berlin and was relatively poor at USA oh, wow, he had a great stint in 2006 with Germany. But I mean, that was 15 years ago. So let's just move on and try and... What's what's next? Harry Redknapp?
3: <laughs> oh, wow, wow, wow. Now, that, that that would get a few stories going, definitely. <laughs> no, thanks. But for me,
2: for me, I would like to see Rebrov. But realistically, I agree with the fact that Madkevich is probably going to get it on an interim basis where he's going to stay until the end of qualifying... And then they might look for someone else or if he qualifies with them, he'll take to the 22-22 World Cup and then he'll leave after that.
3: I mean, I've I've certainly got excited by this Reprov news. I think he's he would be a standout candidate to take Ukraine on. You know, he certainly, you know, after, after Shevchenko, you can't really think of anyone else with the, the sort of personality within the Ukrainian game to sort of galvanise players and, you know, with national team in particular, I think it's it's more about that than maybe sort of tactical prowess. You know, given the fact that they spend such little time with the players, and they just need people that are going to buy into the ideology straight away. So for me, yeah, please off please come and take over. If if not now, after the the 2022 qualification period, I think it'd be great for. Ukrainian football, and then I'm going to be controversial and say I'd like to see someone like Stepanenko molded into the role to, you know, five six years down the line to 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 come in and take take Ukraine into the next generation. Uh, but that, I digress. Hey guys, Yaramachuk, That's I mean that surprised me going to Benfica. I'd <laughs> I'd been talking to people about him going to West Ham just last week, and that proves how much I know about football. But hey. I mean Andrew, how, how did that all come about?
2: Well, the rumors slash stories are that Rui Costa, who's currently VP at Benfica, called up Shevchenko during the Euros and told him to have a word with Yaremchuk. Shevchenko had a word with Yaremchuk in the gym, said oh Benfica is a great club, very prestigious club. I think it would be great if you joined them and Well, apparently he joined them. There were links that he was going to join the likes of Bayer Leverkusen, Wolfsburg, Roma, and as you mentioned, West Ham also linked. A lot of people are slightly disappointed that it's not a top five, top four league, because maybe he could have tested himself maybe at one of those outside the European spot clubs and then moved on to something bigger. And he's 25 now, so you know, time's coming up on his prime. Benfica are pretty good at selling players on for big fees. Hopefully, in a couple of seasons or even in a season, he can move on for maybe 30 million or something like that to a bigger team.
3: What was what was the price uh, they bought him for?
2: 17 million euros for hmm. 75% of him. Ghent owned the other 25.
3: Oh, I know you probably ain't gonna be able to answer this, but which 25% was it, his left leg or right leg or what?
2: <laughs> <laughs> apparently Dinamo have got about 3 or 4 million euros from the transfer that's just happened as well so good uh, for course, them and yeah. good for Sordkis' pockets
3: uh, definitely there's always one happy man <laughs> when there's a deal going on personally of course as I said uh, yeah, Benfica, great club a uh, historic club, very powerful club but uh, the Portuguese league outside of the top 3 or 4 is quite quite poor and that's my just my own own, own sort of concern for Yarrow why I was a bit surprised. Ray, I know you're you're a big fan of Benfica as a as a club member right there.
1: I've never been that close with the Portuguese <laughs> League to be honest, but I have to say that Benfica, the clubs, the likes of clubs like Benfica in Ukraine are always underestimated. Always when we face them in the Europa League or Champions League, we always say that we are equal to them. We have to beat them, we will beat them. And last time we faced them in 2016, I believe Dynamo did it in the group stage. Shocking results, two losses. Uh, Although Shakhtar beat them in a quite a dramatic, uh, thrilling contest, uh, I believe last year uh, when they reached the uh, semifinals eventually, right? And that was quite quite a game. And that's what Benfica is all about, great stadium, Always uh, have the decent players and really decent teams, so very good move for Yaremchuk.
3: Sure. Okay, then. Well, only time will tell. Only time will tell, definitely. But uh, Gary, your dear champions, they made their delayed debut to the season over the weekend. Now, are you, are you confident that they're going to repeat last year's successes? Were the you know? Did you see some positive signs in the game this weekend against Veres?
0: Of course, of course. At first, about Yaremchuk, I want to say congratulations to the Mr. Surkis because he has a big, big part of this uh, sweet and rich money cake. That's really awesome. And also, as Dynamo Kiev fan, I'd like to uh, see this money in the new uh, transferred in the new uh, also players. But we understand that Enough, enough of new players for this transfer window. I'm, I'm so glad to see this uh, huge treble last season for Dynamo Kiev. Uh, and uh, yesterday's game was uh, good result uh, with a big, uh, a big number of goals. But uh, some part of this match was a little bit. Uh, boring about the new season i accept uh, a very hard season because uh, last year's namakia won premier league and ukrainian cup ukrainian super cup and speaking about the reasons for this uh, success i can divide them into two large uh group at first of all we gained a really powerful manager to be honest absolutely and i say not coach, and I say manager, because it seems that Mircea Luchescu uh, deals with the administrative side of the club, totally uh, take this part uh, of the management. President Surke said that Mircea asked to renovate a couple of training fields, build a new gym, and even buy new buses and also a lot of other stuff and little things. And... Uh, Looks like President Surkis uh, finally respects some manager and he uh, respects Mircea Luchescu personally and is ready to invest some money in club infrastructure. Besides, Chesco reconstructed all training processes and built good relationships with players. Finally, also, as a result, we have a team uh, that is ready to fight for its coach. Thanks to these uh, two components, we can see a quality game, something we had uh, no chance to spectate in the Hatzkevich mikhailchenko yeah. era, yes, after Sergei Rebro, uh, we had like dark times, and now uh, we finally have the big manager, but also um, the second thing, uh, please don't forget that last season Dynamo always was uh, three uh, five points ahead of uh, Shakhtar because of series of uh, unresponsible
2: mistakes from our uh, rivals.
3: And surprised about the lineup at the weekend?
2: Yeah, it seems that Lucescu has rested his squad for the basis that he's prioritizing the fix the friendly fixture. Against Fenerbahce, which takes place on Wednesday in Istanbul, as a priority because he wants to get better practice against higher level opposition ahead of the UCL pool and see if that will improve Dinamo's standings in Europe. Following on from what Gary said, yeah, potentially it's something that Luchescu, I think, is running. You know, management where, like he said, there's a new bus, there's these friendlies that are quite high level ones, as we mentioned last week, you know, playing good level opposition. Union Berlin, uh, they had Villarreal before it was cancelled. Plenty of other ones too. And in general, it's it's looking it's looking like they're going to give Shakhtar a fight for the title this season. Well, both of them are going to fight each other. Yeah,
3: it's certainly going to be interesting. Do you, uh, Andrew, see anywhere where the team needs to be strengthened, or do you agree with Gary that sort of the transfers now are done?
2: Essentially, I think that Dynamo. Are quite have got quite an abundance just across the pitch. So they've got Timchik and Karavaev who can play right back. Timchik was great yesterday, probably one of the best games he's played in a Dynamo shirt. And he obviously hasn't played many and he's got great promise. Karavaev's been really impressive and you know, if anything, potentially better than Sankov on form in 2021. If Sankov leaves, then I don't know whether that's going to be a potential problem, but it doesn't look like that's actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. If we if we're looking at it realistically I think what Dinamo needs to do is maybe offload a few more players because they've got a lot they've got a bloody massive squad and like for the likes of maybe Kaziura where's he where's his space in the team he's not really been featuring and they've got two right backs now okay he can play at center back but he, he just seems surplus to requirements Verebic, is he really needed he's been out of the loop for about a season because of his injury problems where does he really fit in because they've got you know Gerson Rodriguez or De Pena and then they've got all these forwards now Ramirez Kulac um Supra has been included in the squad the B squad so he can play if needed so it's like there's an abundance of talent it just needs to get utilized correctly and hopefully it will it will work
3: fingers crossed uh, uh, Gary I'd like to get your opinion on one player in particular uh, Mr Popov. Now, such a talent. It must be frustrating for a Dinamo, Dinamo fans to see him so injury prone. I saw he, was, he went off again injured at the weekend. What's what's your opinion on Popov?
0: I hope you hear me normal because it's something getting wrong. I think it's uh, stewards from uh, Olympisky Stadium. They're trying to... make bad to get in downline connection (laughs) about uh, Popov. I think he is uh, one of the most uh, talented uh, defenders of uh, our times. Uh, I think uh, he really can be Ukrainian Sergio Ramos. Uh, sometimes, you know, that's so funny when uh, when the journalists like to make some titles like new Shevchenko, new Messi, new Ronaldo, new Maradona, <laughs> when Boston and all the super football heroes of uh, old times. But really, mm, Papa uh, have incredible skills. Uh, he have a uh, character. And uh, unfortunately uh he uh, don't have any uh, match and any minutes uh, played on euro mm. 2020 but i think he have a great future as a defender and also like uh, king of headers he can make a lot of goals uh, like we seen yesterday yes and like uh, goal uh, in uh, I think uh, the round of 16, yes, against Shakhtar in 2000, uh, 2019
3: yes, 2019-2020 that mm-hmm. season Now, one last thing for me uh, guys, just before we move on to Shakhtar I'd love to, Gary, Andrew as well because I know you watched uh, the game uh, get your opinion on the behaviour of the ultras, what was what was going on there during the match
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Regarding the conflict between Ultras and Stuart, as I understood this uh, from the stadium, uh, one of the Ultras uh, fans tried to enter the stadium's running tracks. I don't know why, but he tried to do it. Stuart uh, exerted too much pressure trying to stop the fun. Of course, all the Ultras didn't like it little conflict but uh, i think nothing special maybe that was just a uh, very um, fire and uh, w- w- very interesting moment because uh, that part of the game was a little bit boring and uh, I'm very uh, pleased that Ultras have returned to the stadium, Uh, but it is a pity they did not support uh, the team loudly as they can and as they did it always. uh, Because they continued the conflict with the management of the club and uh, also continued action, Luchesko go away and now a new problem the identification uh, uh, of the fan by passport, personal documents, uh, which fans also don't like. And uh, I agree with them because uh, yesterday we have a huge problem. So many fans uh, was uh, so late on the stadium because and the club uh, make some apologize today because uh, that was uh, only uh, 10,000 of fans what we will see in UEFA before uh, group stage of UEFA Champions League, that uh, will be a big question. So, uh, the level of uh, confrontation with uh, fans and with the clubs, unfortunately, only grows. Uh, because um, even yesterday, we seen that some, sometimes a small group of various uh, ultras, Fans was louder for a while than the whole stadium of Dinamo fans, and it's not good because we know Dinamo Kiev uh, ultras, uh, one of the biggest and loudest fan army in Europe. I think so. I hope this situation will change uh, to the better side.
3: Definitely, fingers crossed there. Uh, we saw uh, quite a large display as well about Shakhtar's continued presence in 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 the capital city. Uh, well, I Andrew, you were, I know you watched the game on Friday. They went across to Lviv to face FC in a repeat of their shock defeat at the back end of last season. I mean, how how's the team adapting to the Zerby ball as it's as it's been referred to? Um confident signs ahead of the Champions League qualifiers, which Shakhtar are going to be in for the first time in a few years later this week.
2: Yeah, well. It was another hard game for Shakhtar. It was sort of the opposite of last week where they dominated much of the first half and got those early goals to sort of ease the lead. This time around, Lviv were a lot more harder to break down, a lot more of an equal opponent for at least 70 minutes before the goals came in. And there were some lovely goals scored. And I think that's what is going to get Shakhtar over the line, especially against the likes of Genk, who they've got coming up. I think Genk have actually got rid of their sort of like big top scorers called like 30 plus goals last season. I don't know if they've got rid of him or he's like leaving. So there's potential issues with that. That will hopefully give the Shakhtar back line a slight pickup because we've seen the sort of issues that they struggled with against uh in, Hullet, in general against the more clinical opponent, it might come unstuck. Schoestad have also drawn against, um, if they qualify against Genk, they're going to face either Sparta-Praha or AS Monaco in the mm-hmm. playoff round. That's also going to be tough, especially if it's Monaco. So, you know, they've got to get going. Deserby ball was slow and steady, but you know, it's at this point of the season, especially in these key qualifiers, which you know, make a lot of money if you qualify for the Champions League. I think Dezerbi is going to make his biggest name for himself. Uh, And this is sort of what he needs to get hit the ground running, especially after okay performances, even sort of slightly symbolic of uh, Shevchenko's Ukraine against North Macedonia. Sort of a tale of two halves, sort of really out the blocks, domination, and then slight sitting back, and then it just all comes undone. Fingers crossed that doesn't happen. And Shevchenko can get through and help Ukrainian sides boost their European coefficients,
3: yeah, and that's why it's all about. And I should add, uh, Sparta Prague, very talented team as well. Uh, as I've learnt my own misfortune over the last few weeks as well. Uh, as you said, the coefficients very important. Uh, Zoryas were draw in the draw as well today for the Europa League. Playoffs coming up later this month, they, we've started to get an idea of who they're going to play. Of course, Victor Skripnik is a name that's been regularly linked with the national team. It's a name that's been linked again this time after his success as a manager in Germany and the way he continues to build uh, Zoria teams. Uh, with the rebuild again this year, uh, you watched the game against see so Any signs that he's building another sort of top-level team that's going to be battling for third place. Also, I've got to ask you, mate. Uh, earlier, the, you know, we kind of called Inglets as a team struggling down the bottom this season. Uh, are we looking right there or are they any any positive signs there? Yeah, I'll
1: start with the latter question, Adam. I would say that Inglets struggling with their um, coming into the season properly as, uh, you know, uh, the preparation and... Uh, I was watching the game and the second, the first, the second half had, has, hadn't yet started when all the players uh, of uh, the better of a team were sweating away. I'm not sure if it's only the weather because Zoria beat them 5-1. It's probably something wrong with their preparation as well and maybe the motivation. But so far, yeah, I would say that I would stick to my prediction as they will uh, stay in the league but through playoff rounds. Uh, concerning your first question about Skripnik, I would just need to make a remark that he did not work in Germany national team, did he? He worked in Werder Bremen and he he did not succeed that much. They, he kept them as a, uh, well, he actually saved them from relegation once. And also he kept them as a mid table team, which is not quite the Bremen level, but Bundesliga is another case, Uh, Having said that, I wouldn't go so far saying, uh, claiming that uh, he's about to build a top-class team because Zoria faced uh, Espanyol in his first first season. They've lost and then they reached the group stage. They were okay, but remember those first three games when they were just waiting for November, December to get those money for getting a place in Europa League? That's what this club is all about. Same with Skripnik right now. He's, he's waiting for the money to, or I don't know what, what, what else uh, for Winter to make his decision to stay or uh, to leave Zoria. And it's just the process, you know. And it's, when I was watching this game, once again, I got myself thinking that's, that's what all football is all about. It's the second match day of the year so far. It's still summer, but I already see our teams playing against against themselves not for money not for fans not for the game they're just playing against everything the contrasts are out there and uh, man, i mentioned that zoria d- doesn't have money and their management is awful let's be honest but they win they score goals Kochergin hat trick hero tonight and he's up for grabs for national team that's for sure um Inhulet, struggling but They have the money and they have the fans and the owner and this, you know, passion. But it's just not there yet. Something is wrong with them. Overall, we should be expecting more from uh, Zoria, I believe. But in the end, it's unpredictable.
3: Always is, always is. One team I'd say is a little less predictable these days is uh, Colos, Rosalind Kostyshyn. He had to rely on his son this uh, this weekend to get all three points in their uh, opening home match of the season. It was their first goal in uh, two games. Really disappointing match. It was uh, pretty poor quality. Uh, I've got concerns regarding the co- Colise's contribution to the coefficient this week. I, th- I think they may struggle based on what I've seen of them. I know it was... Uh, Certainly, there were a number of reserves in the team, but the squad does not look so strong overall. Metalist nineteen twenty five. I think they could be a fun watch. They they showed a lot of attacking endeavour, a little bit lacking in quality, but they gave it a go. We know that they're struggling with a lot of injuries at the moment, and hopefully, when those guys start to come back, the quality may improve. Uh, Kostichin did. Uh, I know I had a lot of concerns about it. one decision he made at the end of the game. With uh, regarding the, the Senegalese substitute, Danfer, who, when I think it was Sitchin went clean through and Danfer made a break to get up there with him, pulled up quite sharply and was in a lot of pain. Um, obviously, it was a pulled, pulled muscle in his leg, uh, was very limited movement because uh, Coloss had made all their subs. He refused to. Bring him off and play with ten men for the last few minutes, even though Danforth was pleading with him to come off and uh, could could quite easily have caused some serious damage there. However, I, one thing that I have been very impressed with Colosse and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, it. On our trip, we're going to be there on Thursday for the tie, hopefully, and I, I can't wait to get the the fan experience. I was watching Roman Bebek's footage from uh, from the game on. Friday evening, and it it really looks like the the club are going pushing out all stops to provide an excellent experience for visitors to the stadium. A lot of their things activities going on away from the pitch as well, so fans have got things to do before the game, a half-time after the game, making it a very good family experience there. So it should be an interesting watch. We'll let you know. Uh, Whilst we're there, keep an eye out for obviously everything from the trip. On Twitter and elsewhere on the social medias. However, Voskler, they won't be joining Colos this week after their disappointing result against the Finnish team. Uh, Andrew, are they showing the same sort of uh, weakness in the league? Also, uh, our are looking? Uh, we 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 called them as you know, sort of a comfortable mid-table team uh, in our preseason predictions. Were we right there? I know they've, they've got Vérez next
2: week. It looks like it's going to be a big game. Yeah, so Voskva lived up to their own curse. Uh, ended up losing to a lower level to them, you know, in comparison, Finnish side called Cups. They were 2-1 up uh, in the second leg, so they were leading 4-3. And then Maximov decided to throw on a load of defenders to try and save that save that result from like the 65th minute onwards and we saw that backfire when Cook scored in like added time again like 94 or 90th. it was something ridiculous and then they conceded in in extra time after a red card so it was sort of complete self-combustion Maxim was just sitting on the sidelines with his head in his hands he didn't even come to the press conference after the game which I think is quite poor form for a manager. Evidently couldn't face the music. Sent out his assistant. I think his assistant has since left or something like that. So slight weirdness going on and a quite a poor start to the season for Vorskla in general, other than the fact that they beat Boruch 2-0 on the weekend. Slightly improved performance. Stepanjok very much stepping in to the kulac mould and getting all the goals now, which is good for him. Quite happy for him. Decent forward, probably not like his Birna quality, but consistent to say the least and can get goals from anywhere in and around the box. Ooh, how Vosko are gonna do now now that they don't have Europe to think or wait about, got full focus on the league, can give that a bit more. But I think they just need to they just need they need a bit more oomph in the side. There's just something slightly average about the squad, and there's just these sort of unchanged lineups that Maximov's using so far. We haven't seen what Esceola looks like. Vakula comes on for like the last 10 minutes of matches and doesn't really do anything. So it'd be interesting to see if they can be a bit more pragmatic going forward. Rukh, though, they just seem to be in a bit of a rut not many signings this summer. They've just been picking up the scraps from Olympic players that weren't that good anyway. Ihor Fedik got booked for just going a bit crazy on the sidelines and not everything seems to be going plain sailing. They've got Veres up next. We're hoping to be at that game as well. So let's see if uh, a René Lviv return might help things. I've seen that all the advertising hoarding during that lviv of Shakhtar match is already up and it's all for Ruh. So I think they're banking on making that their fortress per se this season. But yeah, I think maybe we've slightly overshot it so far for them being comfortably mid-table. It could be another repeat of last season where early struggles and then eventually get it over the line and end up staying in the league.
3: i so say if they they lose next week, it's, it's going to be a lot. A lot more difficult for them. Uh, our good friends down in Ushgarod started their delayed season against Alexandria, who'd, who'd had a surprise match they won when against Zoria. Ray, have Minai used the additional week productively? And uh, I mean, obviously, we've kind of called them as rock bottom relegation sets. So are we looking right?
1: Despite the, you know, that team sweating out before the end of the first half, Minai being very fresh and looking very active. How many volleys were there in this game? I don't know. I didn't count them. Selisno being one of the most profitable, I would say, players on the pitch that night, uh, performing a bicycle kick as well, uh, having as many chances as probably Mila had during his whole spell at Minai. We know that they are different players. He's number 10. and Selisno is number 11, captain obvious, but it's still the you Know the will to play, and uh, Seligman has a lot to prove for himself. And he, you could tell that he's really worried about his performance. Alexandria beats over in the first match day, losing to Minai, the very outsider of the contest. This is the contest I've been talking about earlier. Mm. Uh, not looking good for them for sure. And Minai playing in this complete rip-off kit from Puma Euro 2020 national team, like C- Czech Republic and Switzerland. I mean, great. FC Minay with two stripes in blue and yellow written in the middle of the Kelniket. What were they thinking? I mean, and if you look at the keeper, he just he has no stripes. He just has FC Minay written on his chest. Just looks quite ridiculous, to be honest. But fair play to them. Uh, Coben uh, obviously injected some of this, I hate to use this word again, but passion. And uh, they eager to play. Maybe they won't last long, but so far, I mean, I, worth visiting.
3: Ah, can't wait to visit them. Really can't. <laughs> uh, now, going back to my first tour of Ukraine a few years back, well, I had the pleasure of meeting Alexander Rybyokin on a couple of occasions, and I find him a, a really nice, uh, friendly, welcoming manager. But he's expected this year to have a really tough job on his hands. Now, no, they started their pre-season preparation a few weeks later than the rest of the teams in the UPL, Barmanai, due to financial problems up in, in Uh, But they started their season off well. Gates troubled Chorna pulled off a, a nice victory on match day one. They visited the other uh, sort of B team this week, down in Mariupol, and... Uh, Come out with another victory, and they uh it was a last last minute winner for them. It was so late, I, I almost missed it. I was I was packed up, ready to go, and there we go, they're getting a, a winner at the end. Mariupol did go down to 10 men for I think deservedly as well. Kashtuk needs to have some tackling practice over the next few weeks in in training, definitely given the way he was sliding in there. Deserved his red card for two poor challenges. But I mean, Ruby Kim... I know he's not he's not mentioned in this in the you know in the national team job and that, but I I, I was asked about him in the summer on the uh, Dimitro Julie's uh, podcast about the potential for him and he's done a good job with a lot of I mean Shakhtar definitely trust him with their young players and they he's, he's sent a number of them on loan. Over the years to Desna, and he's he's took a very small club and got a lot of success from him over the years. So he's another guy, I you know, but just from a personal point of view, I'd like to see sort of thrown in in the mix there for, for bigger jobs than Desna, definitely. Anyway, moving on, I'll say our final game, as mentioned there, Troubled Chawner merits welcomed a, a strong looking Danipro one uh, team hey, to the south coast. Uh, any hope for Chorna Moritz or is it more of the same, Andrew?
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe we overshot it saying that Minaya are going to finish bottom. Chorna Moritz at the moment look the odds on from actually games played. They look woeful, really. Uh, a mix of young players and then her standard footballers. I don't know what they. their claims that Yuri Moroz is going to stay in the role regardless of the results all season. And if that's the case, well, they might be relegated by Christmas. Okay, putting it putting it out a bit far, but yeah, well, stark contrast is Nipro One, who really look like a decent outfit. Okay, it was against very easy opposition, but Mario Chuse finally got into his groove after a slightly quiet match against Vodskla. He Got an assist and looked really dangerous. Dovbik was getting involved, getting a sort of best Lukaku impression, which is who he recently compared himself to, saying that that's who he wants to play like and how, how he aims to play on the pitch. Some good goals in this one, especially the Adam Milk bicycle kick. It had a massive deflection, so you can't really give too much credit for it, but nonetheless, decent stuff. And uh, Picholionok made his second, well, his official debut as a fully-fledged Pro 1 player. And he looks like a great little um, footballer in the centre of the park, can score goals as we saw him on the weekend. And, yeah, I think Ikhodi um, is on the right path of this team. Like we said, it will be those key matches against the top two and Zorya, uh, whether they'll get it. But I think they'll be challenging for that third spot throughout definitely just from the sort of first two matches that we've already seen.
3: Yeah. Going to be interesting. Going to be interesting. Big game coming up this weekend in the match days. I, I noticed the uh, Dinamo were traveling down to Zaporizhia to play Zoria down there. Gary, uh, looking forward to that game.
0: So I think it will be the first exam for Dynamo Kiev, uh, in new season and in the second tour, because uh, we know that uh, Dynamo Kiev and Shakhtar Super Cup uh, game we will see only in September. So not uh, so just now we can see uh, for Dynamo how Dynamo ready for the new season, and I hope we will see from first minutes maybe Kulich and maybe uh, finally we will see Skurin and other new players. Uh, But uh, it will be a a difficult adventure for Dynamo first time in this season because uh, how we see in the first uh, games, uh, Zara have again some problem, but uh, Skripnik ready for new challenges. And I think we will see a big adventure and uh, I hope we will enjoy uh, this match, but I think uh, Dynamo will win.
3: Well, thank you for joining us today, Gary. It's been it's been great to get your insight into Dynamo in particular. So we wish, wish you the best of luck for the season. Now, for people listening, if they want to follow your story and uh, your support of Dynamo a little bit more on social media, is there anywhere where they can connect with you on Twitter or anywhere else?
0: Yes, you can add me on Instagram or Facebook. Gary Martinenko or Igor Martinenko. Also I have my little uh, young channel on YouTube Legendary Balls. So I hope to see all of you guys. uh, And also I invite you to my channel and I think uh, we will meet soon and make also something interesting. So uh, sorry for my English because it's late time and I need to (laughs) to make more practice with this uh, incredible gentleman like you but uh, i really enjoy it so thank you very much cheers uh let's uh, god save the queen and slava
3: ukraine <laughs> <Rav slava. laughs> oh thank you so much andrew great <laughs> show tonight hope you've it's been great to have you with me as well people listening where can they follow you for our new listeners
2: zoria londonsky on instagram and twitter and as we've mentioned multiple times this episode the big road trip starts this week so be following our social pages all of us for regular updates on there we're going to be doing some exclusive material that we'll probably release after the trip but we're going to have lots of content for you guys so look forward to it and enjoy
3: yeah, definitely, definitely. Ray, mate, Ray, it's been great to have you back this week. Uh, for new listeners, uh, where best for them to follow you online?
1: Thanks, Adam. It's a pleasure, as always. Great to be here. My Instagram page is Ray rayvick. Yeah,
3: thank you, thank you. And as Andrew said, the tour starts on Wednesday. We're going to be at the Livy Beret Cup match down in on the left bank in the south of Kiev. People in Kiev, if you're free, come and join us down there. We're going to have a lot of fun uh, in the first round of the Cup. Uh, Thursday, hopefully at down at Kolos Kovolivka, Saturday, Rukh Blaviv, we're going to be all over the place, but make sure you're following us on Twitter, across uh, in particular, Instagram everywhere, just keep in touch, keep connecting with us, you can follow me at 24 I'm on all the social medias, we're going to be posting regularly, it's going to be great fun, and hope we can have a lot of you come and join us on the journey, but till next time. We don't know, well, we don't know where we're going to be. It's going to be great from wherever it is. But take care, stay safe and goodbye for now.